Hello and welcome to Real R-E-E Film Review. Straightforward film reviews. I give you my view. In today's podcast, I will give you my bird's eye view of the most recent cinema releases. So, I'll give you a non-plot spoiler review of the first few weeks of films in January 2023, covering Whitney, I Want to Dance with Somebody, Avatar, The Way of Water, Till, Empire of Light, A Man Called Otto, Megan, That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, and lastly, Everything Under Control. I'll give you my view of the films, its plot or storyline, a view of the characters, a quick discussion, then my pithy summary of the film, and lastly, my rating. Let me know what you think via the usual streams and means. If you've never given feedback or a comment before, don't worry, just start the conversation. I'd love to hear your feedback about the film, about the podcast, whether you agree, disagree, Send me your views either through your podcast host provider or you can go to the Twitter account uh, at real, R-E-E, film, at realfilmaco or Instagram, realfilmreview, where you'll find the links to my rating scale and links to the trailers and other bits and bobs. Whitney, I Want to Dance with Somebody, rating 12A. The film moves quickly through the early part of Whitney's career. We see her singing in the choir in the church with her mother, where uh, much to her mother's disapproval. And then she's quickly thrust into the limelight. Um, I did know this before watching the film, but hadn't remembered that her mother was actually a, quite a well-known singer. Um, the singing is excellent throughout the film. And Naomi Aki, who plays Whitney, plays her exceptionally well, in my view. Uh, her record producer as well. Clive Davis, played by Stanley Tucci, is also very endearing. Before watching the film, I wondered what could be so interesting about Whitney. I was never a fan growing up in the 80s, and then her career went into the 90s and beyond. Uh, however, I was wrong. There was quite a lot about her that was really interesting. I like this portrayal of her, with all her foibles and, for want of a better word, character flaws. In other words, being just like most of us. The film also covers her marriage with Bobby Brown. Um, it covers all the bits that you might know as well, like the film with Kevin Costner. Now, two of the main people in Whitney's life, Clive Davis and her friend Robin Crawford, um, from very early on, like I said before, are very endearing. They made me warm to Whitney as well. And it shows her crowning moment of singing the anthem for the Super Bowl in America, which, uh, again, I'm not a fan of the Super Bowl or singing of anthems, but you really got a sense of what she had done in that scene. The pace of the film is good. It covers a lot of years in the very last bit, but it probably needs to because by that point it's going up to two hours long. Overall, I thought it brought her to life. It was an interesting story. I could enjoy the songs, and like I said before, I'm not particularly a fan. And I could enjoy her career development, especially that relationship with Clive Davis and how they chose songs together. Quite a few times throughout the film, I thought, I remember that. The stuff with Bobby Brown, her husband, for example. And then there was quite a lot that I didn't know. So, my pithy summary. Woman with amazing voice does well, but is she true to herself and who she really loves? My review rating. Maybe. It's all right. I think 
If you're even a little bit of a fan, then nearly a yay, as performances are so good. Avatar, The Way of Water, rating 12A. There is a summary of what this film is all about at the beginning. Well, kind of. I haven't seen the first one, so I didn't know what to expect. Yes, I know I'm doing film reviews and I haven't seen the first Avatar, but it was back in 2008 or 2009, and there'll be some point when I'll explain why I didn't get quite round to seeing it. Now, it did hold me for those three hours. Just. The effects, I would say, obviously are stunning. Are they too stunning, though? Does it try to make everything too beautiful? Does it try to make everything too wondrous? Onto the plot. I can't summarise the plot, but here's my go. The Sully family, Jake, Natiri and their kids, um, and the trouble that follows them, the length they go to to keep each other safe, the battles they fight to stay alive, and the tragedies they endure. That's my attempt at explaining the story. Uh, the bad guys are bad. The good guys are, well, good. There are the in-betweeners, the people who are from one side or the other side. Um, people are reincarnated, so they are their father or their mother. Um, am I getting this wrong? Let me know. Uh, there's something in all of this, but it's a nice story. There are some nice plots. There are some nice bits. Um, there's a few scenes I really liked, like the bit where one of the daughters, who is adopted, I thought she was called Kitty, but she's called Kiri. Um, I found the names a bit confusing. I found some of the way that people spoke, the random distribution of all the different accents within a family, within a set of people, and the way of talking. Um, overall, that grated on me a bit. But I like the bit where Kiri connects to a spirit tree underwater and connects with who she has come from. That really struck me as quite a, a lovely scene, and there should have been more of that in my view. They're pitted against the Earth People and the Earth People's Army, and that's played in a very grating way. It's like real-life Abu Ghraib on steroids in a film, um, with laughable tactics all the way through. Uh, but maybe that mirrors reality. Uh, I don't know. You tell me. I could follow it. It was okay, I suppose. My pithy summary? Blue beings hunted by earth people. Blue people meet green beings. They mock each other. Blue and green beat the nasty earth people with some minor tragedy. My review rating? Hmm... I think I was more generous uh, straight after coming out of the film, but maybe that's because I'd be watching it for three hours. It's definitely not meh. Um, you might enjoy it. Let me know what you think. I did. Would I go back and watch it again? Mm. Till. Rating 12A. If you've been anywhere near the cinema recently, you can't fail to miss this. It's the true-life story of Emmett Till murdered in 1955 in a lynching while visiting his cousins in Mississippi. Till himself is from Chicago. The film, beautifully set. I got the feel of 1950s Chicago and then the contrast with the South. The way the film is portrayed and the set, it's not over the top, it's not glitzy. You get a real feel of being there, being with ordinary people, 
being with an ordinary mother who's looking after her son and who's uh, working hard. Uh, Daniel Deadweiler, who plays Mamie, Emmett's mother, is absolutely captivating. Yet, there's something about the film, and it feels quite, uh, not mean, but maybe I shouldn't say this, but the way that the film has been put together, some shots linger too long. I'll come back to this in a, in a, in a second after reviewing a bit of the, the plot and the characters. Because this criticism is nothing to do with the performances or necessarily the direction. At points, it just doesn't move quick enough. But the thing is, how can you not be moved by this story? And, of course, it's uh, sentimental, it's emotional, it's a gut-wrenching story. How can it not be? We're not asked to empathise, you're just going to anyway. So I think that part of the film is just done really well. But do we need the lingering silences and long shots on someone's face for quite the time that they've done it? Now, what I did notice, there was a long list of producers. Did one dominate? Because sometimes in a group, then one voice has to in the end. Or did they compromise so much that, I don't know, maybe my criticism here, and it's, it's not a criticism, it's I wish it could have been better because the rest of it was absolutely phenomenal. I like the way it focused on telling and showing you who Emmett was, a 14-year-old boy with spirit, as we might say in, in Britain, a bit of a cheeky chappy. He's not naughty, he just knows what he's about, and he's very different to his southern cousins. And then the obstacles, I like the way this is shown in, in the film, in the way of his mother. Uh, I won't go into much there, but it shows the absolute dignity of her and, and other people around her. There's a lot of characters around her who are extremely likeable. It doesn't focus on the violence of the South. It doesn't focus on the violence of the act itself as well, or the perpetrators of this, or showing all the detail of the thoroughly despicable segregation and culture of the South. What it shows is a mother who, and here's a talking point maybe for another podcast, and it says in the uh, trailer for the film, I thought that what happened to folks down south didn't affect me, but I was wrong. So is her personal message, is that enough for a civil rights movement, uh, for example? Or is that enough to make other people uh, think in that way? I mean, certainly, th this is history now. It's 1955, which is quite a long time ago. But the, the film is captivating, yet I do have that minor criticism of it. My pithy summary. Well, it's not going to be pithy. It's going to be a very, very short roundup because of the intense drama of the real-life story. So it's a biopic of Emmett and his mother and her personal fight for justice against all types of bigotry. My review rating... Well, because of the true story and the nature of the film, it's definitely, it's all right. But I think it could have been crafted better. Let me know what you think. Empire of Light, rating 15. I saw the trailers for this, and after watching the film, I think they're very much misleading. Let me know what you think about trailers. I often watch them, and sometimes I think, well, most of the time, maybe it's just me, what on earth is that film about? I cannot get a grip of it. One that I'm coming up to see this week is Babylon. I, I really can't tell who's the main character um, or characters and what's going to be happening. 
um, in any meaningful sense. So anyway, I think the trailer for this is slightly misleading. The film is set in the very early 80s in Britain, and the story centres around Hilary and then Stephen, who are played by Olivia Colman and Michael Ward. And it's set on their place of work, a cinema on the seafront of a southern coastal town. The plot moves around in a really good way. I think it draws you into being with Hilary, being part of her and part of her life. And then how she deals with everyone, everyone at work as a supervisor and how she deals with the manager, played by Colin Firth. Now, I really love the wider cast and characters. I wanted to get to know more of them. Uh, that felt like it gave it depth. I came away thinking, this feels like an adult coming-of-age film, not just for one character, but for quite a few. Um, it had sudden twists and turns. It also felt enigmatic in some way, like I was alone in the cinema watching a film about the cinema. And it was also about how the cinema, how it used to be, how I remember it anyway. The signs outside for two screens being put up with big plastic lettering. The Pearl and Dean advert music. 20 pence for a box of Maltesers. Uh, the social unrest of the 80s, very much focused on in the trailer, is actually not focused on too much in the film. Um, here's a silly point. Now, it is rated 15, and um, there's quite a few having sex scenes. Uh, very much like the time, I think. I'm not quite sure. What it did make me think was I've seen Crow Road recently on, on a replay, a BBC TV series based on Ian Banks's uh, novel. And it reminded me of that in the way it portrayed um, sex scenes. Now, let me know what you think about sex scenes. I'm not prudish at all, but sometimes do you really need to see the development uh, and all the stuff after that? So, look, I did enjoy it really, really quite a lot. Here's my pithy summary. Woman meets boy man. How will they get on? Is everything how it appears to be? Does light always show us the good? Or maybe that was a pithy summary of questions. My review rating. I liked it. There were enough subplots and character development and undercurrent to keep me nearly enraptured. More than it's all right. A Man Called Otto, rating 15. Tom Hanks plays Otto. Now, we all know an Otto. Or, if you're a little bit like me, there's a part of Otto in you. I think there's a part of Otto in everyone, uh, especially if you're middle-aged male. He's the cranky, annoying character who insists on everything being just so, just right. Um, it's done really well, really well. Is it because, though, we know him, we know Tom Hanks, we know what he can do, we get a feel of his film character, or is it because of his skill, or is it a combination of both? Let me know what you think about that. It definitely works in this film. I'm not going to purport to be a Tom Hanks fan. I'm going to go and see the film and see what happens. But it works. Everyone's an idiot. Uh, I love... Loved his new neighbour, Marisol, played by Mariana Trevino. Maybe that's because she reminds me of one of my own friends, but I adored her. Everyone should have a Marisol friend, in my opinion. Now, the story moves well. You want to know more. You get glimpses of the background. Not in a cliché way, not in a pastiche way, 
just little glimpses every now and then. And then, lo and behold, they start to fill in. Now, the younger Otto is played by Tom Hanks's own son, Truman Hanks. So it has to work, right? But does it? Now, I feel bad for saying that he didn't look or hold himself in quite the same way, which feels like an odd criticism to have. But there was another scene where Tom Hanks and his one of his neighbour friends got what I'm going to call younged up for a scene. Now, I presume the special effects were used here. Um, where they play their adult selves for a spot in the story between Truman Hanks playing Otto in his very early 20s and the present day. Now this bit with the effects and using actual uh, Tom Hanks and his friend in the film, it felt a bit weird to watch, but I didn't care. I could kind of see the effects of younging them up from the age they are now to being in their early 30s, I think it was. But like I say, I didn't care. So is my criticism of the way that Truman Hanks played the young Otto, uh, is that fair? I don't know. But anyway, I cared for the characters. The side characters were woven into the story quite well as well. They made you want to find out more. Um, it was interwoven with no sort of clunkiness. You, the plot unraveled before you in a really, really good way. Um, Otto's relationship with Marisol's young kids is also very enjoyable. So it's funny, um, almost straight away, uh, counterposed between uh, bits that are difficult to watch uh, in a good way. And there are quite a few awkward funny bits as well. So more than enough laughs and an emotional connection uh, for a very, very enjoyable watch. So my pithy summary. Grumpy guy. Does he turn out to be not really that grumpy? Now, my review rating. rating. More than it's all right. If you're looking for a night out with another person, maybe a date, maybe a good friend, maybe a wife, partner, husband, it's a funny story with some sad bits. This, in my opinion, is your father's brother, Robert. Could be a yay for some people, I'm sure. Megan, rating 15. Now, if you've been anywhere near the cinema recently, you can't fail to miss the posters for Megan, and you'll know it's a horror. Uh, Megan is an experimental lifelike doll that develops a life of its own as he becomes closer to its paired owner, uh, a young girl in the film called Katie. Now, the film smashes straight into action. The orphan child, Katie, goes to live with her aunt, Gemma, who is a toy developer, an engineer, working on a big project. At the beginning of the film, it shows the child addicted to the screen. Um, it shows also the adult voice activated house of Gemma. Those two things, are, they're scary enough for me in my view. So the film sets up very quickly. You know where it's going. You want to get straight to the action and find out a little bit more about the doll because there's no missing that from the poster or even a cursory uh, look at what the film is about. Now there's some really good bits with the use of the what I would call the catatonic stare of uh, Megan, or, or in the film, is it Megan? Um, there's that. There are different pronunciations in the film. Um, I, I thought the American pronunciation of Megan was Megan, but there we go. So there's some really good bits. The, the stare of Megan, uh, the difficult relationship with the neighbor and her dog. Uh, there's a, a really great bit with the awful um, specialist education spoiled brat in the forest. So what about the characters? 
well, there's Gemma, the toy developer, the aunt of KD, who has designs and uh, uh, Me Megan or Megan is her thing. And she's up against it with her boss and she really wants to bring this thing into production and be the, the have the toy for life. Well, here's the thing. She likes toys, obviously. This is developed in the film. She has a collector's pieces on her shelf that the Katie, when she comes to live with her, is not allowed to touch. And she has everything just so. Yet she wants to create the perfect toy. Um, if you're into toys, aren't you a little bit messy? Aren't you a little bit creative? Maybe not. Maybe that's a very, very severe criticism. Um, she's into toys, so you would think there would be a childlike part of her. Uh, yet, in the film, she feels out of depth with her niece. So, look, I get it. She's a technology expert. She's an engineer. You get that part of it. That, that's no problem. But I don't know. that. I, do the two go together? Is there just something? I can't fault the acting. I just think maybe the direction or what I'm going to refer to as the thinness of the script. Now, one of her two um, co-developers at work... They're a nice little team. You don't see them enough, I don't think. And one of them does raise the ethical question about the overreach of Megan, who is going to be the absolute yeah, saviour of a lot of children, especially those who feel isolated. It will bring children out. And, and there's this really nauseating bit where the advertising shtick is, is put together um, by the manager of the team. I'll come on to him in a minute. Um, and so that is raised as an ethical question, you know, uh, is this a good thing? But then that's it. It just stops. I think more could have been done with that. Now, Katie, the young girl who develops the relationship with Megan, I'm torn. Her performance at times is, is intense in a really good way. Um, the way she scorns and demands um, when she's trying to figure things out, um, her developing dependence on, on Megan. But then there is this part where you're thinking, I know it's a horror story, but you think she's just been orphaned. Both her mother and father, they're going away on holiday and then they get smashed into. And she misses them. And, and as a character and, and as a, a, an actress, as an actor, she shows that. But the film doesn't really show it. Um, I suppose Megan fills that void. Um, but I don't know, something about that didn't, didn't make it quite work for me. And here's another thinness of the script. I think the therapist character who comes into this. So she's obviously going to be followed up. She's gone to live with her aunt, who, who lives in a, a different place in the States. And this sums it up for me. The therapist calls at the house. The door is answered by Gemma. And then the therapist stands there, not introducing herself. Really? And then starts observing. After first meeting them then, she introduces herself and then says, I'll be observing you to see how you get on and interact. And so she's observing an orphan child and the woman who's lost her sister immediately. It's just a thinness. Now, I know it's a horror story, but you want it to work. Workability. Would that happen? Believability. What about the loss? What about the grief? It is touched on. And I don't mean cliche grief, but the whole process. Would it happen like this? Does it matter? Do you just want the shots of where Megan uh, or Megan, I still don't know what to say, does some really um, horror film-like stuff um, and then developing the story to the climax it does? Well, would it happen like this? Does it matter? 
I know. That, however, there are some good fun parts. There's some nifty parts. I laughed quite a few times, and, and so did other people watching it with me. So I laughed enough. But on the whole, I thought there were too many wafer-thin characters, especially uh, peripheral. Um, Gemma's manager, oh my word. Although he does have the best line. Um, I'll discuss this in another episode. I think I've alluded to it before. Uh, when do some things, characters say more than once, become annoying? Well, I think he says it only once, but he should say it more because I found it really funny. Um, anyway, I will include something about that with the captain of the Tulgun hunting ship as well from Avatar. So, my pithy summary. Lifelike doll becomes lifelike and becomes a little bit too overprotective. My review rating. If you want a bit of a laugh, uh, not too many scares, in my opinion, but some, it's more than meh. Maybe, for a bit of a frivolous date, it's fun, but disposable, like the doll. That time I got reincarnated as a slime, rated 15. So here's the cinema's description, because I can't even begin to give you just a roundup of what this film is about. Now, it's a Japanese anime. Here's the description. A long-running conspiracy is swirling over a mysterious power known as Queen in Raja, a small country west of Tempest, when a slime who evolved into a demon lord named Rimuru, Tempest, crosses path, paths with Hero, a survivor of the ogre race, an incredible adventure packed with new characters begins. The power of bonds will be put to the test. Uh, do you see what I mean? Now, I can't even begin to sum this up. However... It was my first Japanese anime. I didn't know what to expect, especially from the title, which I now see the style of the film. I kind of get the title, but before going to see it, it's a little bit off, not off-putting, but off-throwing. throws you off a little bit. Now, I went to see it subtitled, so this makes you concentrate. Um, I thought it opened poorly. Uh, the scene was rainfall. Um, it was there were mysterious characters fighting each other in that sort of over-the-top way um, and I thought I'm not going to enjoy this now I can concentrate and I don't mind having to work a little bit to follow the plot um, but I don't want it to be arduous and bewildering I need to be able to follow what characters are doing uh, and who they are and what their name is but I must say after a while I started to warm to it there's a peculiar teenage or surrealist element to the story and the characters it took me a while to work out the slime was actually a main character and the slime's uh, associates or friends and who they all were i was trying to work it all out and then i let it flow over me after a while as the film um, does mark out for you clearly what is going to happen now i don't particularly like the swirling multi-action shots of fights and uh, those parts which I've alluded to just a few minutes ago but there weren't too many and you get used to the changing of styles and um, there was one part that felt like one of those really awful late afternoon cartoons that my own kids would have been glued to zombie-like um, and that had a, a bland two-dimensional cliche feel to it but that was only one little bit I started to enjoy it it's a bit weird it's a bit kooky one demon lord can't be bothered that much to help out against the ultimate forces of good and evil and everyone in between um, uh, to help this stricken queen of Raja. Um, and he can't be bothered to help out because he's too busy reading manga comics. Yeah, 
in a way, it reminded me of the change of subplots and uh, focus on really weird little different bits um, that happened in the, the BBC TV series, The Young Ones, from the very early 80s, where you would suddenly flick to flies on the wall, and the flies on the wall were making a fly-on-the-wall documentary of a fly, and they'd be talking to each other, and then they would get sprayed by one of the characters in, in The Young Ones. Um, or my particular favourite, the parsnip, that gets crushed by the plates being stacked up, and then it turns little animation puppets of a, of a crushed uh, parsnip and a carrot on the side, and there's dialogue between the, the carrot and the parsnip. So, look, it was fun. I had to concentrate at first. Um, I didn't, didn't mind the fight, fight scenes. There weren't too many of them. Um, then you have to uh, concentrate at the beginning with si subtitles, I find. Uh, but if the film works, then the subtitles can flow if you can follow the voices and the characters and the plot. Now, there were a few times I had to really work quite hard to work out the voices. Uh, one of the characters was uh, a boy that I thought had a girl's voice. So it took me a, a while to work that one out. But there's a good part in there with some of the recall scenes and uh, the reminisces in order to story build. And one of the characters says, that was a good info dump. And that kind of summed it up for me. I did enjoy it. So my pithy summary. Some bad guys are after some good guys. And there's one bad guy who's really bad. And so one of the bad guys isn't really a bad guy. It's just the demigods or overlords acting like Greek gods. And the good guys win. My review rating? Nearly it's all right. I'm definitely going to go and see another one. There's lots of layer and idiosyncratic characters, uh, which I like, and, and weirdness and flitting from one thing to another, and strange characters and different characters. So one of the main uh, good guys can literally transform into a slime, and I still don't know why, but I don't mind. And lastly, a film called Everything Under Control. As a Cantonese film with subtitles, rating 15. Now, there was a fantasy sort of intro with realistic game fighting stuff. Intermixed with uh, a card game where uh, security guards are playing what I think I would know as Mafia. So, but this intro scene it was a bit bewildering for me. It's a security firm on break playing cards. And this wheeled me into the film, actually. I was beginning to regret it after a few minutes watching it. But then my views changed. That's because of the characters. So this, this opening bit was those scenes where you think, I can't work out if this is computer animated or if this is augmented or what is going on here. But I think that was a good introduction to what was going on because it just mixed the fantasy with imagination with real life. Now, there were the usual believable characters um, in the security van, uh, which is, starts off the main part of the story. There's the new recruit who's idealistic, uh, contrasted with the older head of the security team, although he doesn't look that old, who's more cynical of life, more cynical of the security uh, business, uh, making money in Hong Kong and what people would do to that, do with uh, how they do that. And they would definitely not be a robbery because of what he's been saying and uh, definitely not a robbery of their job carrying a client's diamonds. And then immediately there is a robbery of the four security guys. So this is where I got drawn in. Um, there's a great, great uh, comic sort of shtick scene and, and where they're held up and all the usual things are a really funny bit where he's twirling around the gun and hitting himself on the head. And this is carried on throughout. I could have been more, I think, as well. 
But there we are. We're introduced to the bad guy gangster with the hair. Um, you don't like him. I really liked him in, in that you don't like him, like him way. And there's a very dark, mysterious Uber boss who seems to enjoy cutting people up. So the premise is that one of the security guys is able to slink off with the diamonds after the holdup. Then the Uber boss commands the gangster with the hair and two others of the guards to get the diamonds back, whilst one of the guards is held as a sort of ransom. The plot flips back and forth. It's fun and it's dumb and, and it's in a really good way. It flits. There's a dancing squirrel on the bonnet of a car dangling on the precipice of a tree after plunging over the cliff. There's mayhem. Uh, the village where they end up, both... Um, the guy trying to run off with the diamonds and the chasing trio is very strange. Um, we're introduced to them with a really weird song. I mean, it made me laugh. Uh, I found it hysterical at the time. Um, you get the idea of what you're going to be in for. So this is quite early on in the film. It really moves very quickly. Now, overall, you know, there are cappers. <laughs> me too. I've got, got a clue. Chinese dragons, visionary characters. There are layers to some of the characters without being pastiche or cliche there are people who are dead they're not dead there's a, a bit of sort of toilet humor without being crude and uh, essential to the plot there's a random boat smuggling shooting scene that um yeah it may sound weird to say but that was quite funny there's mock bro romance scenes uh, where they're mocking each other there's spirits there's ghosts there's, it's just funny there's a character who wants to spend uh, get some time off from being a gangster to attend the film festival and doesn't want his mother being told uh, and there were a few other action fight scenes, one in particular, which is I, I knew I'd really warmed up to this film by this point, uh, between the village leader, uh, a lady, a woman called Wong Cool, and the security guard leader, Sai Pai. Uh, and it's funny. Um, it, it does it well. I, I laughed throughout. Uh, pithy summary. Some security guards have to chase down a security guard with a gangster, but they stumble upon a weird village of five people. There are fights. There's some dumb stuff. Cheesy, but done in a great way tacky weird madcap fun not a very short pithy summary i know but there we are i wanted to say a lot about that one because i really enjoyed it now my review rating well it's more than it's all right i laughed a lot they could have overdone it even more in my view so that's all the films reviewed this week let me know what you think leave me a review uh, on the podcast or a rating um, i'd love to hear from you you can go to my twitter account Real, R-E-E, film, at Real Film, A-C-O, or Instagram, Real Film Review, where you'll find the links to my rating scale and other links to the trailers and other bits and bobs. Coming up very soon, I will be reviewing an Argentinian film, The Substitute, Unwelcome, Babylon, Tar, and Whale. Thanks for listening and get in touch and tell me your view.